0: Happy New Year! Year. Wow, it's 2020. I can't believe it. Oh, it's so good to gather back with you again. I've missed you all. I love our times together on Tuesday morning. Oh, how we need each other, right? Oh, how we need to encourage each other and gather together and pray together and open God's Word together. And um, so I'm so grateful to be back once again. Let me pray and then we'll jump into our lesson for the morning, okay? our great God and Father. I just ask for your presence and your blessing. During our time together this morning, Lord, would you speak to each heart through your word and by your Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us, show us more of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I have to tell you, I'm confessing. I'm pretty much on my knees. (laughs) Well, I, I am always on my knees when I have to come up and teach, but I'm a little wary of addressing this topic of spiritual warfare, so I'm just throwing it out there. This is the way it is. I'm being real, and I just, I think it's a challenging topic. I think that we have Maybe ha- receive some messages regarding spiritual warfare that might not be grounded in God's Word. I think some of the Christian music that we're hearing today might have some truths, but not maybe half truths. And so it has just been my prayer as I've been pouring through the book of Ephesians in preparation for this morning that we as women would be asking the Spirit to teach us from his word. And that when we're hearing things, when, you, you know, when you're sitting here and I'm teaching you, that you would, you would be discerning, that you would have, take, take your questions back to the word. Don't just be spoon-fed by anything that I'm teaching to you. And when you open your study guide, that you would always take whatever you're learning there back to God's word. Let it be our continued prayer, as it always is when we gather on Tuesday mornings, that we would come to know God more. You see, ladies, I'm a little bit afraid that during this time of study on the armor of God that you might be focusing a little bit too much on the enemy, on little Satan with the small s. I don't even want to capitalize (laughs) his name. Let's be focusing on who God is, on what Christ has done, on our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And any time you're learning about who our, our small little enemy is, keep going back to how big our God is. I want to challenge you to read through the whole book of Ephesians during this study as Gala has reminded you, we basically have six weeks of lessons that are being divided in half. So this week, as you prepare for next week and you're preparing days one and two of week one, read through Ephesians one, because guess what? There are six chapters in the book of Ephesians. So you're going to have two whole weeks where you can be reading through Ephesians one as you prepare for next week and the following week while we're in that whole um, first week of lessons read it in the morning, read it in the evening, use your Bible app. Do you have a Version Bible app on your phone? You know, put it on speaker. Let it, let the word wash over you as you're going through your day, when you're driving, when you're in the kitchen cooking. Um, So marinate your heart in this coming week in Ephesians chapter 1. So as we address this whole idea of spiritual warfare, I wanna continue to give you this, this warning. We should not be naive. We should not live in denial. We should not be ones that are burying our heads in the sand. You see, in America it's kind of considered silly to believe in the spiritual realm and the spiritual forces of good and evil. Yet if you lived in any other continent on the planet, they are living this, they believe in it, day in and day out. So, and I would just say too, much of this is, is a mystery to us, right? We can't see it. This is happening in the invisible realm, but we know that the spiritual realm exists and it's true because God's word tells us it's true and it exists. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, which is in our section on the armor of God, Paul tells us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We look at this world, ladies, and we must see that things are not always as they should be, right? We see violence, racism, abuse of power, Poverty that's perpetuated from one generation to the next, injustice, greed, war, oppression, it goes, it goes on and on. And so Paul is letting us know that there are spiritual powers behind the darkness that's going on, that we see in this world. And so one truth we must understand and grasp and live in is that we cannot overcome darkness on our own. We cannot overcome the darkness in our own hearts. (laughs) We cannot overcome the darkness in the lives of those we love or in our community or in all these things we see going on in the world. We cannot do that on our own. But with Christ, it's a totally different story. So we should not be intimidated. We should not be fearful. We should not be ones that are running around saying, oh, the devil is at work everywhere. The devil is on a very short leash. His power and his time are limited by God and we know that when we look at the big story of all of scripture that right there at the beginning in the garden of eden Eden, when the fall took place that god proclaimed that there would be one who would come one who would be the seed of eve right one who would come a human who would come who would crush the serpent's head and we know that that's jesus And that at the cross, that Jesus conquered the power of sin and death and the devil through his great sacrifice, his death, his resurrection and ascension. And we know at the very end of the scriptures and revelation that Satan will be completely defeated. So, ladies, let's not be focusing on the enemy's involvement in our lives. Let's be focusing on our great triune God, Jesus, the risen and exalted Lord, who reigns forevermore, the one who has no rival and no equal, and the one before whom every knee will bow one day. And, ladies, let's not forget that we are his And we stand in his power. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We are equipped to be strong and stand firm in the midst of any battle. So my challenge today as I give you this spiritual warfare warning is let's live grounded in the truth of the gospel and of God's word And let's focus on walking in the light rather than battling the darkness. Can I say it again? Let's focus on walking in the light rather than battling the darkness. Now, I've told you many times before, ladies that have heard me, that I've spent every summer of my whole life in southern Michigan, and it's my favorite place to be in the whole wide world. And I remember as a teenager I would stay out late at night on those beautiful summer nights (laughs) too much of the time and I remember an, an evening where a friend a boy had offered to walk me home and where I would hang out with all my friends was kind of in the next community over and there was this path that was very very dark that went through the woods and then As you got into the community, the road wound around and then there was the road that went back to my house. On the left-hand side, there was a huge cliff. (laughs) And then it, and yeah, that went for a period of time. And this young man had not walked that road very often. And for me, I just, right? This community, it's home, right? I knew the road, I could walk that path from my friend's homes in the next neighborhood back to my own home in my sleep. And I was not scared one teeny bit of the dark. I knew oftentimes that the stars and the moon would light the way and even so, even when it was pitch dark, I knew exactly where to go and it cracked me up that he was trying to be kind and walk me home and he was terrified. (laughs) And so this little scenario comes to mind. Are we gonna focus on the darkness? Are we gonna live in fear? Or are we gonna be trusting in the midst of the dark that God is with us and is gonna show us the path home, show us one step at a time and help us to not live in fear? One of my favorite verses in Ephesians, see Ephesians 5, 8 and 9. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Yeah, as ladies who are armed and dangerous, we're ones who are walking in the light, walking in the light of Jesus. And when we do that, ladies, we don't fear the darkness. We push back the darkness, right? The light that Jesus brings to our lives completely overcomes the darkness. So we live in the power of, of, of who he is and in his light, and this was what helps us to stand strong. Okay, so you got your warning. Now we're going to spend basically the rest of our time looking at the big picture of, of the book of Ephesians. You see, I think we can get ourselves in trouble when we just take those verses out of Ephesians 6 and just look at the armor of God and not see it within its whole big picture of the whole book and the, the letter that Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus. So let's begin with the setting. Ephesus was a vital port city along the Aegean Sea, which served the Roman province of Asia Minor by carrying tons of goods to and from Greece. It was the fourth largest city in the first century in what is now modern-day Turkey. It had around 400,000 residents. It was a center for learning, and what Ephesus was most famous for was its temple to the goddess Artemis, who was considered the god of fertility. And there at this, this temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and many people traveled far to come see it. Ephesus was a center for magical practices and idol worship. So whenever you think of the city of Ephesus, I want you to think of these two things, power and magic. In antiquity, most people had great fear of angelic or spiritual forces. They were terrified of powers emanating from the stars, from the heavens, from the underworld, and even from their dead ancestors. People in the Greco-Roman world believed that their daily lives were controlled by the sun, moon, planets, and stars, as well as by good and evil spirits. Okay, so this is, you know, it's a little different than the astrology people are taken from the newspaper. Or I don't know. But this is maybe where it began. Idol worship was a way of life during this time. People were expected to worship the local gods. And also the Roman emperor. There were temples. There was a temple there to the Roman emperor as well in, in Ephesus. And, and they were taught to do so as a way of seeking protection and blessing for their local community. All of life's activities revolved around this idol worship. Business meetings and social banquets took place at these temples. And over 50 gods and goddesses were worshiped in Ephesus. So if you didn't worship one of these gods, and especially Artemis, You were considered a poor citizen and were socially ostracized. People often worshiped more than one gods. You could, you know, worship multiple gods at the same time. And now these gods and goddesses that were worshiped were entirely unpredictable. So people were constantly wondering what their fate would be, and they were seeking the gods' blessings and trying to somehow avoid their curses. So power, it's a great emphasis on power and fear of power. Fear of the powers of this world, of their day. And then magic. People sought to control supernatural powers through magic. People would recite magical spells to try to manipulate situations or gain control. They would even fast. They had magical books. Okay, a little different than Harry Potter. (laughs) Okay, people would use magic, for example, to try to win another's love, to try to win in their competition at the the games, or to try to seek prosperity in their business. And you see, as we learn about this power and magic, what's important to note is there was a temptation for for Christians to seek to honor God with their lives and that yet also still return to magic or to idols to seek help from their problems or to maintain privileges in their community so when paul speaks of the various spiritual powers in ephesians 6:12 these people in ephesus knew what he was talking about they were living it day in and day out now paul's history with the if the church at Ephesus, and I would say Ephesus was such a big city, right, that there wasn't just one church. These churches were small house churches, and there were probably many within the city of Ephesus and the surrounding areas, and and all of those churches were what this, were um, who Paul was addressing in this letter. Paul was writing from prison in Rome, and Paul had lived in Ephesus and served these church communities for more than two years during his third missionary journey. And during this time, many Jews and Gentiles had come to Christ. And don't you love the way God led Paul, right? He served in Ephesus, this huge city that had many people coming and going, right? It was a great way for the message to, to get out into the ancient world. And we find in Acts 19, you can go read it when you have a chance, that many that turned to Christ actually gathered together one day and together burned up their magic books. It was their way of saying, we need to leave that old way of life behind. We need to trust and follow Christ. Paul had experienced some difficulty in Ephesus. He was given a hard time by the silversmiths there who would create these small idols of the goddess Artemis, right, and sell them. Paul was putting them out of work because he was spreading the gospel there and so many were believing. And at one point there was a great riot and uproar in the city and many gathered in the huge theater there, bringing some of Paul's companions, his fellow Christian workers and this huge crowd proclaimed, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. And they wanted to bring harm and trouble to Paul's companions. Now the town clerk was able to calm this situation. Once again, you can refer to Acts 19 (laughs) to learn more. But we find that right after this, Paul left Ephesus. So Paul knew what life was like there. He'd lived there for probably two and a half years. He'd seen all the different influences that the people were facing. So at this point, Paul is writing because he's left and moved on, and now there are many more people who have come to Christ. And and he wants to remind that original group, the ones that he knew, as well as the new converts, about the power of christ the amazing work that he's done and he wants to continue to urge them to leave behind their old way of life and to trust and live in jesus i have to mention here that ephesians is considered by many to be paul's greatest writing and it could also be depicted as kind of an abbreviated version of Romans. There are so many treasures in this book. We're going to have so much fun um, digging into it together. Now, the message, if you wanted to give one quick theme or the message of the whole book would be this, the exalted Christ and the unity of his church. Paul is wanting to point these Christians to the majesty and the power of God and the great redeeming work he's done in Christ. Christ is exalted. (laughs) And then he's wanting to proclaim. Following Christ means living as a body, a unified body with Christ as the head. So he points to the wonder of the saving work of God in Christ he, impor- he lets them know how significant living in union with Christ is. And he wants to remind them what living in Christ and for Christ looks like. What should the church, the unified body, what does their daily life look like? And you see this, these two themes the exalted Christ in the first three chapters, and the unity of Christ in the second three chapters. Now, Paul uses various terms speaking of powers more frequently than in any other letter here in the book of Ephesians. As I mentioned, he doesn't want the new Gentile converts to fall back into their old habits, relying on spiritual forces or astrology or magic. To instead of the superior power of Christ. And he writes to highlight their identity as united followers of this exalted Christ. Key themes, as I've mentioned, live in unity. You find that in chapters 2.11 to 3.13. There were many Jews and Gentiles that had come to be part of Christ's body, had come to trust in Jesus. And Paul is saying, you need to, to accept one another. You need to learn to love each other and live as a unified body, all submitted to Christ, growing together, built up in love. And he's saying, once you are in Christ, united with him, Your life with Christ affects how you relate to others. Believers are united to Christ and also united to one another. Paul gives a variety of images to present this unique unity, this belonging, this connection. He speaks of the body. He speaks of a building. He speaks of a family. He speaks of marriage. And then he says, walk worthy. This is this message of leave behind all that old stuff. That doesn't work. <laughs> That's not really living. Your resurrection people live in the new life that Jesus Christ brings. Walk worthy of the calling that God has given to you. And in 4, verses 1 to 3, he says, Oh, What does that look like? It's living with all humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love and being eager to maintain that unity that the Spirit brings. Walk worthy. And then he says in chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, no longer be children. Don't be tossed to and fro by all the messages that this world brings, but stand firm in truth. And love. And chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How? What does that look like? Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then the verse that I mentioned previously, 5, 8 of ephesians for once you are darkness now you are light in the lord live as children of light these are some of the main themes of the book and then let's address let's see how ephesians addresses spiritual powers okay this is part of the purpose that paul has in writing this letter he wants to make absolutely sure that the people in Ephesus, those who are trusting in Jesus, see the powers of this world as small, right? And that it's, you cannot compare it to the power of God. The power of God is immeasurable. So he's proclaiming the superpower of God, the superiority of his power, and he's also proclaiming the supremacy of Christ. He is exalted above all. He rules and reigns over all the small powers (laughs) of this world. And then he wants to proclaim the church's access to this power. You see, as believers, they've been transformed from this realm, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of this world. They've been brought out of it to God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. And they've been united with Christ and have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of light, ladies, (laughs) is a kingdom of God's superpower that we get to live in. And that power is even within us by the Spirit. Also, he wants to give these Christians a new perspective. They were once ruled by their sin nature, but oh, no longer. (laughs) Now they're living in the power of the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. Once they were far away from God and living without hope, but now they have not only been drawn near to God, but they've been united with God and Christ. And they are people of hope because of all that Christ has done. And so rather than trying to manipulate the powers or living in fear, right? We live with hope. And then this brings a new posture of standing firm, being strong in the Lord and his might. And then also a new purpose for divine power. Not only do they leave their old practices behind, but as they stand firm, they are standing firm, they are firmly planted in the greatest power of all, God's love. There's nothing greater. Nothing can compare to it. And so I must ask you, ladies, have you seen it in your life? Have you seen the power of God's love transforming someone's life? Have you seen someone who was battling with addiction but is now living a healthy, full life? Have you seen someone who was living in a broken marriage and that relationship was completely restored by God's powerful and healing love? Have you seen it? Have you seen it in your own life? That you don't have to live each day trying to somehow earn that love. You can be absolutely assured of it. Firmly planted in it. Filled up with it so it overflows onto the lives of those around you. No matter what they're throwing at you. So we proclaim today that there's nothing that can compare to the power of God and the love given to us in Christ we say that, that this love heals, that this, this love can bring someone who was dead back to life. And so this is my prayer as we end this morning from Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. All praise that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is our prayer, that we would come to know God more. And having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Lord, through this study, may our hope be growing more and more and more as we get to know you more. And what are, the glorious, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And then this, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And not only that, but then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but... In the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. The last part of that prayer is that we would know the power that God is exerting on our behalf, this very same power that raised Christ and, and brought him up to the heavenly places. May we come to know him more. May our hope grow May we come to know this great power, and oh ladies, may we focus on walking in the light. Amen.